This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. I am Glenn the Geek from Ocala, Florida. And I am Jamie Jennings in Norman, Oklahoma. You're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for September 8th, episode 2762. Good morning, horse people. Hey, you made it to Wednesday. Only three days left till a weekend full of horsey fun. Lucky for you, you have Jamie and Glenn to get you through on Horses in the Morning. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us. This is our first show back. Uh, we weren't here on Monday, so we missed talking about the AACs last week, which is the American Eventing Championships. Now, there are way too many people to congratulate because there's like a million divisions, apparently. Yeah. Oh, yeah, like juniors and and uh, just above juniors and just uh, above that and then all the way up to advanced. But I will say congratulations to everybody who won and congratulations to Boyd Martin and Turner's on cue, who now holds the dual title of U.S. Equestrian CCI five-star national champ. And he also won the advanced championship. So uh, he did quite well over the weekend and took a, took home uh, a $60,000 class, too. So that didn't hurt. He can pay a few bills now. So, yeah, he'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. So congratulations to Boyd. Also over in Europe, Germany claimed the team gold in dressage at the FEI Dressage European Championships. And uh, Great Britain did second, and Denmark took the bronze. Uh, the British led the way through the halfway stage, and then Germany's Isabel Wirth came on, and, you know, that was the end. She just, <laughs> she <laughs> just wrapped it up. Just wrapped it up. I mean, uh, there goes Isabel, and, and uh, we're done. We get second. So congratulations to Germany uh, for the European Championships, which are going on and driving and eventing and everything right now over there. So uh, so congratulations to all of them. On today's show, the Daily Dose Health segment, we look at intestinal stones. You want to say that word for me? Enterliths. With uh, Dr. Elizabeth Schilling. It's one we had done before, but I saw one of my friends on Facebook posted that her horse ended up in the hospital uh, with colic and they found intestinal stones. So, and I went, I know we talked about that. It was about four years mm-hmm. ago. So I thought, good time to bring that up again. Plus, Piper Clem joins us to tell us about her new book. And she was also at last week's Hampton, Hampton Classic, which sounds way too swanky for you or I. I have actually been to no. Hampton Classic. All right, we're going to talk about that too. I didn't know you have been. <laughs> I didn't, was it too swanky for you? Yes. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> Plus some weird news. Apparently Jamie's gathered some from you guys. So we're going to do that on today's show too. And auditors hang around for the post show because Auditor Abby is going to join us to talk about her epic save at the AECs. And I know you also saw that post in the auditor room where she almost she almost bit the dust at the last jump at show jumping. She's going to talk to us about her round and how that went and how she became a star uh, because she apparently can crawl back on really well. Yeah, it was so, pretty impressive. <laughs> so we're going to talk to Abby about that. And of course, Abby was a regular contributor to our show for a long time, and we'll find out where the hell she's been. So we'll talk about that too. But first, Daily Winnies. Daily Winnies. 
Well, happy birthday to auditors Aubrey Moore, Kelly Peterson, our own Samantha Clark, who will be on here, I think, next week or the week after, and Liz Van Worden. Happy birthday to all of you. Also, we have some new auditors, Mason Neck, Olivia Mendenhall, and Abby DeLise. So thank you to the three of you for becoming new auditors. We appreciate that. Also raising their pledges was Alexandra Kerr and Felicia Pandorf and Sherry Olson. So uh, so you got a raise uh, this month, Jamie. Woo-hoo. Thanks, Thanks to all of these people, you got a raise. Just so you know, my paycheck here pays for the groceries in the house. So, you know, every time you raise your pledge, we get to buy organic. You get to buy more tofu? Is that? Yes, more tofu for the house. (laughs) Uh, My daily Winnie goes out to a couple people, uh, all listeners. First of all, I'm having a visit by a young girl named Emma today. She's on a trip with her mom and they're going to be driving through town. So I said, stop by. So they're going to come. Uh, this afternoon. And then also, Are they listeners? I, Is that the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Emma's cool. a, a hardcore listener. So cool. she's going to get to come by hang out. And then Laura and Linda both sent me awesome emails and I really appreciate it. And a little shout out to you guys. Very good. Well, I wanted to mention that for the first time and auditors, there's a video now pinned to the top of the auditor page uh, that we did last night with Jessica. But for the first time this year, we're going to have an HRN Christmas card that you guys will be able to buy and use as your Christmas cards. And Jamie, you see it at the top there. Isn't it cute? Yes, it's, it's adorable. It's, it's Scooter, actually, is in this year's Christmas card. And uh, he's being rather naughty and uh, eating way too much sugar. But I'll post that as the image for today's show notes so you can check it out and see it. We're going to have a link. They'll be available by the end of the week where you can go buy them and have them shipped directly to you. And I will say that all the profits are going to the artists. They're all going to Jessica Troop this year. Um, she's had a tough year, too. And she does. she's basically become our resident artist here and has a whole bunch of commissions from you guys to do art and she demonstrated a little bit in the video last night how she does it so we're happy to help support her and for the first time have our own christmas card this year it's very cool I did want to give the Paras uh, a little bit more love here uh, because they just finished their Olympics and the U.S. took home medals in 15 of the 19 sports overall. So this is the most diverse share of medals that we have had in Paralympics in the United States in 17 years. Uh, Apparently, we also had our first medals ever in canoe and taekwondo. Uh, Jessica Long, who is the country's second most decorated Paralympian and the world's most decorated active Paralympian at the age of 29, she's a swimmer, and she took six medals in swimming, bringing her career total, get this, to 29 in the Olympics. Um, That is two greater than any other American, so she's now the most decorated American. Also, Roxanne Trunnell did pretty well for the equestrian side. She won, uh, basically, we won the uh, first medal in 17 years, the first gold in 25 years, and the most medals in 25 years led by by Roxanne, and the first dressage team medal. So Roxanne is now tied for the most decorated and winningest U.S. para equestrian. And we're going to try and get Roxanne on the show here next week. So uh, we're working on that. But congratulations to all of them. It was a very successful Paralympics and is very successful Paralympics for the United States and especially in equestrian. And we've been working hard to get to that point. So good for all of them. 
Now, uh, we're going to head to our health segment. This is brought to you by Daily Dose Equine. And as I said, I saw a post by one of my Facebook friends that they had their horse at the Horsey Hospital and with colic, and they found these intestinal stones. And what are they called again? How do you say that word? Enteroliths. Ent- enteroliths. And when I saw enteroliths, I said, oh, I've had trouble saying that before. And I looked back in time, and of course, I did have trouble saying that before, and that was with Dr. Elizabeth Schilling, who was on our show, and she was a terrific guest, and this was a terrific interview about enterolists. So I thought we'd replay that for everybody that's going to be dealing with this over the next year. You'll remember this interview and uh, know what to do. And we have Dr. Elizabeth Schilling, and Dr. Schilling is coming on to talk about enterolists, but I want to say good morning because you have got up really early to talk to us. You're in California. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. And listen, Gina, I was thinking um, it looks like we have the polo exodus happening from Indio as well. I've noticed a lot of uh, the polo trailers going back and forth on the freeway to L.A. heading to, I think they go to Santa Barbara next. So we have the same sort of exodus on the West Coast. Ah, there oh, we go. Wait, so where are you <laughs> in California? I'm actually in the Inland Empire. So I am in Redlands, which is uh, between Los Angeles and Palm Springs. Oh my gosh! Wow, you've got some beautiful desert yeah. around you. Yeah, but your seniors oh, never leave. I love the desert. They never leave. You don't have <laughs> yeah. snowbirds there. They live there. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are there are snowbirds, and I actually just learned last year that um, I think it's called Sun Country Airlines. Maybe there is a dedicated snowbird airline out of Minnesota. They only fly from Minnesota to southern parts. <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> I just learned that. I didn't know that. That sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> there's your there's your extra trivia for the morning. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? Like, be a flight attendant on that. Let me let me help you. Come here. You just sit down. Let me, I'll get your seatbelt. Hold Can on. You now. imagine on how long here. it takes to load that plane? <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna start I boarding. Been at it. I just learned about it. <laughs> We're gonna start boarding the flights in three hours. Three hours. Go ahead and open the doors. <laughs> Okay, okay, okay. So okay, I am 56 coming up, so we have to stop the senior jokes now. I have to end. <laughs> Glenn, who's going in for surgery next week, he says, don't talk about getting old. Exactly. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, oh, dear. What, knowing where you live, uh, you must see a lot of these. Uh, tell everybody, we, what is we an see a lot of them. Yeah. So an enterolith, we sort of like to joke that an enterolith is like a pearl of a horse. Uh-huh. So they're made, they're, they're concretions of mineral that are made much the same way that an oyster makes a pearl. So the mineral is laid down in, in layers. So if you slice one open, you tend to see these concentric rings, these layers. Um, well, wait a minute. My guess is appearances. you don't wear them around your neck in a string. No, okay. no. Okay. Good okay. guess. <laughs> really good guess. They're, guess. they're a little bit bigger than that. They can get to be pretty heavy. Um, I have a, a, a bucket of a nice collection of them. And so, <laughs> of course, you do. <laughs> we, we, I don't put them on my neck, I promise. I promise. Okay, but, th- let um, me just stop so you there because, Dr. Schilling, that sure, is sure. such a vet thing to do. You go into a vet <laughs> clinic, there's always like enterolists on the shelf. Like, I went always. to Alamo Pintado and toured, and I'm like, there's uh, entire shelves of enterolists on the wall, like like they're showing them off, you know. <laughs> so yep, weird. Yep, yep. And the only way you can I, get I teach, them I is teach at Western surgery. University. 
Yeah, that's how we get them out. If they're small enough, they can pass them. Um, and so uh, if they're really small enough to pass them, the horse owner is lucky. But then we usually figure that horse could be a time bomb and it could be making a bigger one. Okay. So you teach at Western, you were saying? Yeah, I teach at Western University. I was just going to say, speaking of collection, I have a collection at home, and then I have several on my windowsill at work, too. So I <laughs> have a parade through the office to see them when we're studying the equine GI system. Oh, that's so okay, wonderful. Okay, so what are they and how do they happen? What are... Wait, hold on. I got to ask so if they're... she's married and maybe just married to a vet. Like, who has that type of decor in their home? <laughs> <laughs> Not married to a vet. Um, but a worse person. Okay. <laughs> okay. Sure, yeah. That's the only way that's going to happen. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, I've got my room. He's got his room. <laughs> so um, we won't we won't talk about what's in his room. He's a hunter. So uh, and I'm uh, not. Yeah. So we have we have separate separate decor. <laughs> oh, yeah. No kidding. OK, so carry on. You So tell everybody what is it? How does it form? And and all that. So they, they're basically, they look like these big, smooth, round rocks, and we, we slang, slangily call them stones or rocks, um, but they just, they're just these big, huge chunks of mineral. They're fairly heavy. Um, most of them are round, although you can get them in different shapes. So if there are multiple enteroliths forming, they can rub against each other. If you think about what river rocks look like, how they rub against each other, and they kind of get kind of flat and smooth. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them can look like that and some can end up looking like pyramids. Um, and I have one oh. group that came out of one horse. There were six or seven of these pyramids to cram together. And so they're formed of cal- basically um, magnesium, phosphorus, and ammonium. So they're very similar to the stones that um, are formed by crystals in cat bladders. And so cats that get obstructed, it's, uh, it's very similar and they just, they form in the large intestine. Um, we think that there's a, there's a wider part of the large intestine. It's the last part of the large colon before it goes into the transverse colon. It's called the ampulla, and it's a little bit wider there. And so we think there may be slower transit through that section. And so there's time for these to sit there and accumulate. And they, uh, if you remember chemistry at all from high school, the minerals precipitate out of the material that's in the colon and they just layer on to these stones. Wow. Okay. So when you have a pearl, from what I understand about that part of (laughs) science, when you have a pearl, it's a grain of sand that gets into an oyster and then the oyster lays down all these mineral layers to make the pearl. What the hell's in the middle of one of an an anerolith? Is it a rock? Sure. So this is this is a great mystery because um, we we typically think that the the nidus or the center of it is something like a grain of sand or a piece of gravel, or sometimes it might be a little bit of baling twine, which is scary, or a little um, uh, the end of baling wire. For those of us who grew up with wired bales rather than twine, and there may be some parts of the country that still use wire. Um, I have seen some that are cut open that it, that there is not an appreciable nidus, at least to the naked eye. Maybe mm-hmm. if we got a, a microscope out, we could, we could see something. It may just be that it's a really small piece of sand. Um, interestingly, I'm in the part of the world where this is sand land USA. I mean, we have a tremendous amount of 
problems with sand in horses' colon, but they don't seem to be um, a huge cross-population. So not all horses that get sand form stones, and not all horses with stones seem to have sand. So there's certain horses that are stone formers, and it's probably genetic because there are breeds that are more susceptible. Um, it's, so it's possibly some, some diet relation, but they have to have a genetic predisposition to do so. Really? Um, the horses that, that form stones tend to have a higher pH in their colon, um, but we don't know yet why that is, what, what genetic predisposition is making them have a higher pH. Okay, so see, I'm in the West Valley of Phoenix too, so I'm I'm just down the road from you, and definitely yep. sand. And we're we're in sand sandland as absolutely. well. Yeah, absolutely. So, and you're just the other side of where all of our, our alfalfa comes from and blight. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, um, when we've got horses that have like uh, a high popu- high amount of sand in their gut. Uh, it, Glenn, I don't know if you, ha- you know how they detect sand in the gut, but you listen to the bottom of the belly and it sounds like an, like an ocean. It sounds like the waves lapping up on the beach when a horse has a lot of sand in its belly. But th- is there something you can hear with an enrolith? Is there some detection no, outside? <laughs> so the way they don't have little bells in them, the, the, the ringing. No, now. unfortunately, or yeah, like the, the clock, like in uh, Captain Hook, right? And Peter Pan. Um, <laughs> no, unfortunately, the way to find them ultimately is, as you said, with surgery. Um, many of them we can detect on abdominal radiographs, although that can't be done in the field. It need, you need a special big radiograph machine, bigger than we can carry around in our trucks. And so you mentioned Alamo Pintado. So most, if not all, of the equine hospitals will have a radiograph machine that's capable of imaging the horse's abdomen. And so because they are these big mineral densities in this huge sea of food and water, if they're small, we might not be able to see them. But if they're big enough to obstruct, we're um, probably about 85% able to see them. I think most of the surgeons I talk to figure they miss maybe 15% of them on radiographs. Wow. Because it's, there's so much else. So if you think about the size of a horse and the radiograph beam has to get through all of that. And so we usually have a suspicion based on the horse's history or based on our clinical exam when examining a horse for colic. Okay. Um, so but, so what is the what are the breeds that are most susceptible and what are the clinical signs of an enrolith? Two questions. Sure. So the, the most commonly affected breed is the Arabian. Um, And then Morgans and some of the gated horses, um, I see a lot of quarter horses with stones. And in some parts of the country, not so much here, but some parts of the country, minis will also form them. And then there's sort of a smattering in all other breeds. Thoroughbreds, for some reason, seem to be among the least likely to form stones. I know of a couple of thoroughbreds that have had enterolists, but not that many. Okay, and what are the clinical signs oh, of an said, So, so the clinical signs are basically um, colic, and so they're they tend to present one of two ways. There may be a horse that may have had a problem for a long time, and so they might have intermittent bouts of colic where they um, get colicky. We might treat them, and they might respond to um, conservative treatment like some some laxatives by tube that help 
loosen the, the feed material around the stone. And so the enterolith will just sit there in the colon and the rest of the food can go on by. And they might have repeated bouts. So any horse that's in an area that is um, suspect for forming enterolith, that's one of the breeds that might form enterolith that is on a diet that is likely to um, be part of the problem. If they have repeated bouts of colic, then I usually recommend to take the horse in to clinic and get it get get it x-rayed. Mm-hmm. And so that's some of them. And then there are some that never have a problem before. And the very first time it wedges, it's essentially causing um, an impaction, just like a food impaction, only it's more solid, obviously. A stone. Um, and so some of them, some of them might actually have, have surgical level of pain the first time it happens rather than being several intermittent bouts of it. Oh my God. Gosh, this sounds painful. So what are some of the ways that you, what what are some things you should avoid when feeding your horse? Sorry, Glenn, I know we're running out no, of time. No, you know what I'm it's thinking. So, it's so fascinating. This is what I'm thinking. I'm thinking not only is there a million ways to kill your horse from the outside, there's a thousand <laughs> ways to kill him from the inside too. You're right. Absolutely. Why are any of them still alive and, and is my question. <laughs> because we love them enough and we can take No, because we have we people like you, we pay thousands people. of dollars to every year to make sure of that. So that's good. It's worth it. Yeah, that's totally right. worth it. <laughs> God, yeah, I, I, so much, I, I agree so with you. Things. Totally, totally worth it. Right? You know, we've been doing um, this segment the, the, for the, eight years now and heard about every single way a horse can die. Um, so it's, there's a reason that Jamie and I get a little dejected sometimes. It's like, oh my God, it just seems like everything's killing our horses, you know? And then, and then I go outside every Wednesday and I look at my pony and he has every one of those things guaranteed. Uh, Dr. Schilling, (laughs) this segment has cost both of us a lot of money because I'm like, oh my God, I have to prevent this. So that's what I'm asking is. What is the way that we can avoid this while feeding? Because obviously, if you're saying they've got like some mag- uh, overabundance of magnesium and all of these things, what are some ways we, what are some of the things people feed to create this and what can we avoid? So fortunately, that's the most simple way to avoid it. It actually doesn't cost you extra money and that is simply yes. to avoid alfalfa. Um, oh and of course, that's the, the least expensive way, unless you're in an area that you can only get alfalfa and other hays are more expensive. But Like um, in the so desert? A hay that, like in Florida? <laughs> well, you know. Yeah. Like in the West Valley of Phoenix, Arizona? <laughs> so don't Sorry. you have some, Timothy, don't you have some grass hays there as well? God, I wish we had Timothy. Uh, we have, we have mm. that and we have... Bermuda. Oh, Jamie, you just went away on us. Sorry. Okay. Uh, oh, are you there? Am I you there? Yep. Okay. We have that. We have Bermuda. We have alfalfa. And then I feed Paca Verde, which is a, an orchard grass alfalfa mix. So if you have an orchard grass mix, so, so if you can't completely avoid alfalfa, keeping it to 50% of the horse's diet is going to be helpful. Um, um, you can also feed psyllium. So much like we feed psyllium to deal with sand. Um, psyllium probably can help some of the smaller stones move along before they get the chance to be a problem. The key with psyllium is you have to feed enough. The the little scoop that psyllium marketers have put in their container isn't nearly enough, and you need to have at least an 8-ounce measuring cup at a time. So I just oh recommend my. one to two 8-ounce measuring cups. That's a and, lot of psyllium. Um, <laughs> you can do that either... Say again? That's a lot of psyllium. 
Cha-ching! It's a lot of psyllium. Well, so you can also buy it in bulk. And so if you buy it in bulk, it, that tends to, to last you a bit longer. But That's true. So you can either do that for a week at a time and then stop, or you can give it every three or four days a dose, and that seems to help. Um, and then, you know, a lot of people say feed them off the ground, feed them out of a feeder, and that will help them prevent mm-hmm. them from picking up the, the sand. But I think that's pretty counterproductive. Horses are meant to be grazers. And if you look at most any horse, it'll take the, the food out of the feeder and strew it around on the ground and eat it out of the ground, which is more natural for them. So if you can feed them in a place that is covered with rubber mats or bedded in shavings or somehow off the sand, then that obviously helps too. And okay. Well, we've got the like rubber mats here. Out of your food. Oh yeah. Perfect. That's probably good. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Schling, so to. much. Fantastic. We'll book you again Super and we'll talk so to you again very soon. So I'm so happy to be hanging out here with Janet Geyer, who is the mad scientist behind Daily Dose Equine Horse Feeds. And I just saw coming across my newswire recently that all of the daily dose equine horse feeds are now non-GMO verified through the non-GMO project. Tell me what that means. Well, for simplicity, it means that the place where the feed is made has been certified to be non-GMO and that all the ingredients are traceable back to the original place where they came from, and they are all certified non-GMO because of that. It also means that there are no uh, chemicals that are added into the feed uh, through the growing process or the manufacturing process, and it particularly means that there is no Roundup. That, that's um, big because that's a re- it's a really common product that is used in the agricultural industry and it is used on animal feed. So that's a, that's a pretty big deal. Right. So they do allow a certain amount of uh, Roundup to be in animal feed, but our feeds have zero. How many different horse feed formulas does Daily Dose Equine currently have? We have four feeds and four forage balancers, uh, six of which are carried by Chewy. There we go. So if you need to learn more about Daily Dose Equine Horse Feeds or you want to find a local dealer near you, you can go to www.dailydoseequine.com. Or if you want to just shop around for, for horse feed from Daily Dose Equine, place an order and get fast and convenient delivery nationwide, you can do that at Chewy.com. Well, as I said, we have Piper Clem. She's host of Plaidcast and a author. You know, talk to us about her newest book coming out. But she also travels around and does some cool stuff. And she was at the Hampton Classic last week. We're going to find out about that as well. Hi, Piper. Hi, thanks for having me back. Thanks for coming back. And of course, Piper does do the magazine, The Plaid Horse, and you can find that. Uh, just search for The Plaid Horse on Facebook and uh, on Google. You'll find it. But uh, you're also an author and do uh, do a series of books. Yes, absolutely. So this is a project that's many, many years in the making. But when I kind of went back as an adult and really thought about all of the horse books that I had written growing um, read growing up and, you know, internalized. And that was everything I had to work with for a long time there was reading. Um, 
I, I found that a lot of them had kind of mean girls or, you know, girls that kind of ganged up on other girls or mean to other girls or kind of some of these, um, you know, I, I would say like lazy tropes in our industry. Um, and while that, you know, does exist at some level, I think really just we're, we're much more evolved than when a lot of these series came out. So it was really important to me to bring all the values and all the positivity and all the real conflict and real things we see at the barn, but then have it be tied into something that's, um, you know, maybe people act hurt, you know, or there's conflict, but there's no villain or there's no girl that, you know, we, we dislike all the time for some reason. Maybe that reason is because she has more money than us, um, which was, a, I think, a common theme in horse books. So it was really important to me to, to really set young readers and young riders on the values that, that we want our sport to become. Now, let me jump in here. Are you talking about Lisa in particular? Yeah. Wait, Lisa was the cool one, Stevie and Carol. But then who was the girl that was like... Veronica. Veronica. Yeah. <laughs> but oh but if, I, that, okay, that is a saddle club. And I'm not picking on the saddle club because most of horse books have that trope. And it's it's. I think it was very common, you know, from the 80s and 90s, you know, that mean, rich girl. Didn't you just describe just every Disney, teenage Disney yes. movie ever made? Yes. Listen, yeah. Glenn, Veronica D'Angelo was yeah. the daughter of a banker and the yeah. richest man in Willow Creek. And yeah. the mother was a prominent social figure. And let me tell you something. She had things to say. And, and rich girls hurt, too. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no. no, I mean, I just I to me, it's just such a destructive trope. And, and I so many places got interested in it and into it. But, you know, everybody... You know, what something I say to young people all the time and old people and myself um, is that people treat every, you know, if you watch someone all day long, and as a reporter, I've had the privilege to follow people around all day long, many times in my life, they treat everyone the same all day long. And so how someone treats you is a reflection of them. It's not a reflection of you. And if someone's being mean to everyone, you know, it's probably because they're hurting. Like if someone is, you know, struggling with themselves, like that's going to come out in hard ways. And like, let's talk about coping mechanisms and let's talking about, let's talk about like lending a helping hand and, and the very real stuff, jealousy. Um, I mean, it's well, so hard being at the barn with someone who has a nicer horse than you do as Veronica. D'Angelo. I mean, if you think back about Cobalt, the horse that she did not take care of and ended up, obviously a thoroughbred stallion is a very poor choice for a teenage girl, yes. but <laughs> when she lost Cobalt, I cried. Okay. And let me tell you something. I Wikipedia Veronica and they have got her personality and here it's exactly what you're describing. It says she doesn't seem like she can trust people as she's been let down by her own parents so many times. Her spoiled Exterior seems like a cover for her true feelings. Yeah, exactly. And it's her parents' fault for buying her all those wonderful horses to keep her busy at the barn where she was so much better than everybody else. Yeah. And, so like, basically. maybe she is a monster, you know, whatever. <laughs> I, like, I, I do see the best in everyone, but maybe maybe she is a legit monster. But, like, at the end of the day, those books are the three girls gagging up on her. It's like, true. Well, she deserves it, but she asked for it, but you're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that, like, just having more constructive, you know, interactions at the barn where we can be jealous of each other and we can say, you know, this person has something I really want. And, but that's not that person's fault. You know, that's something larger than that. And we can all learn to cope better and handle things better and, and be better friends and better comrades at the barn. So, so nobody gets murdered in the Showstride series, I'm assuming. 
Oh. Nobody gets murdered. No horses <laughs> die. People ask me that at, a, at the Hampton Classic in the book signing. One of the moms is like, I cannot do another dead horse book. Do any of the horses die? And I was like, none of the horses die. Spoiler uh, alert. Spoiler. Everybody lives. Everybody lives. None of the children's parents die. I've been reading a lot of um, children's books to to study and, and do my homework for this um, and do my research. There are a lot of children's books where a parent dies and I'm like, Ooh. <laughs> every Disney so, princess. Didn't that start with Bambi Disney actually? Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. So no, no parents die. No horses die. Um, no deer die. No deer die. No deer die. Um, I mean, and, Ginger and Black Beauty. I still don't get me started. I'll cry again. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, look I mean, how many uh, witches we killed on the Yellow Brick Road. I mean, geez. Uh, it's... They all had to go, Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You know, I'm thinking about this whole picking on thing. There's a guy named Jack who was the biggest football player in the team and used to ride the late bus because I played tennis. And he used to pick on me every day. So I don't know. There's some truth to that. Uh well, obviously he had issues with his parents, Glenn, and it was not his fault. <laughs> well, he took it out of me. So. <laughs> well, I, I'm not saying it's not his fault, but I'm saying that they're more constructive tools to give someone like that to help them deal with things. Piper, did you ever read the John Steinbeck book, The Red Pony? Yep. Oh, my God. Is there anything more disturbing than the red pony and tragic like uh, to me like the description of a buzzard sticking its beak in the horse's eyeball while it's dead <laughs> what why would you write that and you're like oh it's john steinbeck that's not a normal it's not walter farley or marguerite henry <laughs> no, you know those things it's not <laughs> But yeah, no, there are some really traumatic stuff in many of his books. Well, we could really go on a list of the traumatic stuff. So yours is different. Tell tell us about yours. Um, it's it's about these two girls, and um, they have some friends at the barn, um, some boys that ride with them, and, and some other girls and other characters we see at school and at the barn. But they really are struggling with what a lot of people are struggling with at the barn. Um, Tally is always rode in a lesson program, and she's starting to go to the bigger horse shows, but she doesn't have her own horse. And so it's, it's every time she gets the opportunity to ride one, like, is this going to be the last time she has the opportunity to ride a nice one? Um, and, and she, she does, she toggles back. She goes back to the school horses sometimes when, when there isn't something to ride. And, and I think it's very realistic on, on that side of things. And then her friend Mac, um, struggles and and maybe she's not the most naturally gifted rider but she's very hardworking and she's a little better healed and so she um has a competitive pony that she struggles to make things happen with and and they meet each other at the barn and they find a friendship and and they love horses and they want to be better and they're both struggling with their own things and um it's hard and challenging and, and they go none of those things, kinds of Piper, things are limited to children you're s- describing my day okay <laughs> my, my too. Yeah, lots of adults read shows right so, and love it too i love reading children's books because at the end of a day like i don't want to read a grown-up book yeah we don't um, want to read john steinbeck the red no. pony we want to read you know horse yep. crazy or whatever <laughs> I yep, have that problem so. finding good things to watch even anywhere that's not drama. You know, there's so few so good, intense. Yeah, and it's like at the end of the day, I want comedy. You know, I don't want to. I don't want somebody else's drama. We've had our own for the day. We don't need. Side else's. note: Have you started read of watching Ted Lasso yet? No, it's. it's I don't think it. I get what it's on. I don't think I get the. Service it doesn't it's on. get it. Okay. Get it. It's Apple TV. <laughs> I heard it. it. Yeah, I don't get Apple TV. 
So let, this book is book four in the series. It's called Testing yep. Friendships. Is that correct? Yep. All right. Where do people buy it? Um, they can get it on Amazon. Um, you can pre-order on the Plaid Horse website. It is on Audible and Kindle and in print. So however you want to book, you can book. Um, if your kids are a little young, what a lot of people have been doing is uh, getting it on Audible and then uh, giving their child the print copy so that they can kind of follow along, but they don't totally have to read it if they're not quite at that reading level yet. And did you do the Audible recording? I did. And I what did was that like? Um <laughs> Yeah, with one of your friends. Um, it is, like, not natural for me at all. <laughs> I struggled quite mightily um, with all of them. Um, but just like anything else, you do and you do and you do and, and you get it done. And that's sometimes that, that over under through of riding, you figure it out and get it done. Well, you speaking of uh, things that have been portrayed in TV shows and movies a certain way, and I would put Caddy as one of those ways, is the Hampton Classic, because, but you know, 99% of people listening here have never been to the Hampton Classic. They kind of know what it is. It's out there in New York on Long Island, and, you know, it's all the rich people having a show jump. Uh, and they know it because <laughs> they've seen, yeah, they've seen it. Uh, I tried to say that, you know. Um, so they, they've seen it in movies and TV and it's the same thing. It's all the books you just talked about, right? It's always displayed as the rich people against the, you know, the poor kid who has the auction pony from New Holland. And no, those people are not there. (laughs) So what is it really like at the Hampton Classics? Um, I think, I mean, I think a lot of it is like a lot of other horse shows. I think horse shows in general, and I've spoken about this a lot, have a have a welcoming problem. Um, is that they don't people don't feel welcome when they go to a horse show, um, and I think that's a general problem of our sport at all levels. Um, like a lot of horse shows don't even like have signs. It's like horse show welcome. <laughs> like little things like that could really help. Um, the Hampton Classic has signs. They tell you where to park. So all that stuff's a little bit um, more welcoming than a normal horse show. And I think. A lot of us are almost conditioned that like, oh, I'm, I'm not going to feel at home around those people or I don't have anything in common, you know, with them. And, and I think that's one of the biggest fallacies of our sport. I think everyone is welcome at every horse show. There were tons of people. There were so many locals. I love any horse show that can bring in the local non-horse audience, I think is just such a gift to our community. And, and like Devin, they have like plenty of shopping and plenty of other things such that you might come for just a day with your family as opposed to, you know, ha- being a rabid horse fan as a prerequisite to showing up. So I think all of that community stuff is great. Um, but yes, I mean, it is very over the top. They have $50,000 VIP tables. You know, you get around a certain set and it is um, a, a definitely they have celebrity Sunday. So there's celebrities all over the place. And, um, you know, it, it is quite the thing. And, and there is a huge barrier of entry. It's expensive to eat out there. It's expensive to stay. It's expensive to get gas. Um, you know, every kind of there, you know, there's a limited amount of, you know, housing and all that stuff. It's Labor Day weekend. <laughs> there's a lot of traffic. Um, so I think that it's great for our sport that we have these outlets and we're able to um, bring in a class of people that can be very useful to fund our sport down the line. And Jamie, why were you there? Um, Glenn, I was taking my uh, 
you know, uh, Grand Prix show jumper around and uh, no, <clears throat> just kidding. So I, I they, you they are, do, you are kicking butt, right? You're yeah, kicking that's right. Butt. That's she what won you, 50 grand. Obviously. <laughs> uh, no, I worked for a guy. I, back in the day when I was younger and could do this, I think I was 18 and I worked for the, the Hampton classic also does like, um, if they still do, they do demo demos and some entertainment kind of like Equitana, that kind of thing. And so I worked for a guy that took horses and like did shows with them. It was called, his name is Ramon Becerra and it was Ramon's equestrian entertainment. And I was his groom. And also I rode, as an exercise rider. So I was at the Hampton classic with a Frisian stallion, a black mini, a paint gelding, a Pinto <laughs> stallion and two Andalusians. And so my job every day was to either, you know, obviously clean the stalls, but also to exercise the horses, which is hilarious to take like an Andalusian <laughs> gelding, like high school trained Andalusian and exercise it amongst hunters preparing for their classes or like riding the Frisian and you're doing pee off and passage uh, in the warm up area and horses are spooking at you. So that's, <laughs> that's what I did there. I was, I, I was completely in a working capacity. Have you ever done anything where you weren't that girl ever? No, no, <laughs> I'm always that girl. <laughs> Were there any Frisians pee offing around the warm up ring this year that you saw? I did not see any, but they, um, <laughs> we did the signing and the book reading for show strides next to a petting zoo and they had pony rides. So there were a lot of minis. Um, so I did see, I did see a whole bunch of minis and then the whole petting zoo had alpacas and sheep and everything else. And if you want real Just, coverage of what actually happened at the show, uh, where did, did you, did you provide actual like who won and stuff in, in your, yeah, in your yeah. magazine? Okay. Cause we don't do There's that actual here. Coverage yeah, we, <laughs> she actually did work. Yeah. We're here for the fluff world. over here. Um, so is there food that you liked? Oh, I don't know. Um, they have lemonade. That's really good. Um, hand squeeze lemonade. And I, I enjoyed, um, one of those daily, um, let's say. <laughs> um, so I think that, w- that was my big thing. Um, I didn't see a lot of crazy different food, but I could have also just missed it. I, I've been, I moved into the two meal a day thing, so it's really limited. I mean, I haven't done like Devin or something on two meals a day, um, nor do I plan to, but, but it has really limited the like adventureness of eating on the road. I think Devin is like a cruise ship. It's like 12 meals a day at Devin. <laughs> it's, it's... <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And there's like no concept of time because it doesn't exist. So. No. Like Vegas. That's right. It's the same oh, yes. thing. Well, yep. And I'm going to be going to the Vegas show in November, too. So I'm excited about that. Well, we'll have to get a report after that. And again, no, uh, no food restrictions in Vegas. You have to give that up for a couple of days. Yeah, 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 for sure. Well, Piper, where can they find the book again? Um, on Amazon or on the plaidhorse.com. You can pre-order book four right now. It'll be out in about a month. And uh, you can find books one through three on Amazon in print, Kindle, or Audible. It's called Show Do Strides. I need to read these in order? Make more I mean, sense? It would make more sense. I, I would recommend that, but I'm not going to stop anyone on any reading in any order. <laughs> True. Good point. And of course, you can find Piper over at the Plaidcast and Plaid Horse Magazine as well. Thanks, Piper. Appreciate it. Thanks, Piper. Thanks for having me.
Thanks to our sponsor, Equiderma, for being a part of the show because we only talk about things that we really believe in, and Equiderma is one of those products. Oh my gosh. They they have we've talked about the horse products, the fly spray, which I can't live without, and the all the skin lotions and all the things that they do, but they also have things for your dog. Have you ever had a dog that Glenn that was plagued with hot spots? Yes, we did. Uh, actually when we lived in Kentucky. It's it's just so frustrating and you feel so bad for them. Well, they've got the answer to that. Equiderma has a barn dog shampoo. It's called Barn Dog Shampoo. And uh, <laughs> they went really clever with the name on that one. <laughs> sulfate free and soap free, made for dry, itchy, or unhealthy skin and coats. And then you can buy a combination for your dog's skin total that is the Barn Dog Shampoo and Barn Dog Skin Lotion. And the skin, lo- you know, I, poor Danny. Chad's dog just gets plagued with these little spots and she just bites and itches and bites and itches. And I just put this in my shopping cart because what a great way to, I mean, it has Arnica in it and the neem in it as well. And Arnica is a natural anti-inflammatory. So it just seems like it would really help their skin. They said it's a healing duo that will restore the health of your dog's skin and coat. And guess what? What happens when you put something on your dog, Glenn, like a, like a lotion or something? Uh, what does a dog do? Uh, licks it off. Yep. Guess what? <laughs> this is okay. It's not going to kill them. There's no chemicals or anything like that. It's natural stuff. So well, that's the problem go check with those it out. hot spots is they never stop licking them. Oh, yeah. Just, that, well, oh. it just gets worse and worse and worse. So the Barn Dog Skin Lotion, Barn Dog Neem, and Arnica Shampoo, you can get that get that fire out of it, you know, and then put the skin lotion on. And if they do lick the skin lotion, guess what? It's going to be all right. Equiderma.com is where you can find it. I wanted to mention this before we get to weird news. It is kind of weird. Uh, All of us that have done this uh, can feel for him. Uh, Matt is one of our auditors, and I don't know if you saw what Matt posted yesterday, but uh, I won't give you the long story. I'll give you the short story. He ended up stepping on a nail that went halfway through his foot. Mm. Uh, Have you ever done the nail through the foot thing? I refuse to answer that question, so I did not jinx myself. (laughs) Well, I did. And any when I read that, anybody that has done that, first of all, as soon as you read it, you wince because you know exactly what that feels like and how awful that is. And Matt, I just wanted to say we're all thinking about you today. Uh, You need to go to the doctor and all that because he was like bleeding everywhere. But yeah, that's not a fun one. I did that in the barn, upstairs in the barn. You know, board turned over, nail up, get down from doing hay and step right on it. Anyway, Matt, we're thinking about you. There, that'll start your weird news segment. Time to learn why some days you're embarrassed to be part of the human race in Jamie's Weird News. Man, remember, I don't find these stories anymore. Y'all do, and you send them to me, and I got to say, y'all are, tell me y'all, you're disturbed. You disturbed, you suspect. Uh, but I would like to thank uh, of those disturbed people. By the way, I said Laura earlier. I meant Lori. So I've got Sarah, Eileen, and then the name came up as SR. So I don't know who you are, but you've got a good email address. Uh, Laureen, Rachel, and Danielle all sent me weird news stories. I have so many. I can't possibly get to them all. I'm not going to tell you who sent what, because I don't want you guys to know where these people get their stories, because I'm going to first tell you about a museum of poo. That's right. <laughs> Do you know what the the name of the museum about poo is, Glenn? The museum of poo? No, no. it's the poo <laughs> <laughs> 
It's kind of, it's kind of clever. It is I would buy a shirt with that on it. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Well, that, and see, that's the drama, Glenn. Oh. That is where all things went wrong because it's called the Puseum. And the Puseum has a, the, the logo. It's a Puseum and is in orange. And then there's a um, penguin standing on the S in Puseum pooping. And that was a very big problem in the historical village of Richmond, north of Hobart. Uh, apparently, there has been a fight over the signage since 2019. It was removed because they didn't have the right permit to put this sign up, and it doesn't go with the <laughs> neighborhood. And I'm sure people were trying to buy shirts. I don't know. Um, but <laughs> I would get you one of these Who shirts. doesn't want a museum in their neighborhood? It said council officers had recommended a retrospective application for the sign, which depicts a penguin bending over during a bowel movement, be rejected for several (laughs) reasons, including that it was not, quote, compatible with the road's historic streetscape. Um, Did Wayne make the sign? Did my brother do the sign? It looks like a easy signs online type of deal. Okay. So the good news is the sign will remain. They are very excited to say that it passed. It was a meeting (laughs) eight to four. The Pooh Penguin stands. (laughs) It's probably the most exciting thing that happened in that town in 50 years. (laughs) Yeah. Something like that. Um, there's so many weird ones. I'll I'll give you just a title. Yeah, like I have one Bali. at the end too. So Bali's tourist drought sees hungry monkeys raiding homes. Don't go to Bali right now. Apparently the monkeys are coming in. The next headline is um dog gets trapped inside toilet with leopard for hours. Miraculously survived. What? Would you like to hear a little <laughs> yeah, bit? Yeah, I want to hear that one. Was was Tiger King involved at all? Uh, Tiger King was not because this was over in India. Okay. This is, and I would say the name of the town, but it just, it's Biliene village in Dakashina, Kannada district of Karnataka. I mean, say (laughs) that's gotta be close. (laughs) The article starts with wondering how the duo ended up in the washroom. That's a yes. Uh, turns out the leopard was chasing the dog. When the dog ran into the bathroom and then the then the leopard chased it and a resident saw the tail of the big cat going in and closed the door and locked it from the outside. Oh, the poor dog. <laughs> poor dog. The two animals were trapped inside for six hours. The forest department was called. They tried rescuing both the animals. The big cat managed to escape. But they did save the dog. The dog was alive? The dog was alive. I didn't expect any parts of the dog to be found. Like, none. (laughs) It says here, the quote is, every dog has its day. Imagine this dog got stuck in the toilet with a leopard for hours and got out alive. It only happens in India. As he tweeted the picture that was of the dog who was cowering in one corner and the leopard who looks like he's taking a nap. Uh, They said that um, apparently... um, Leopards, if they're in close quarters, they won't attack because they're afraid of getting hurt. So the dog got so they're really wimps. Leopard couldn't get away. Yeah. Well, you know what? I'm doesn't matter if they're a wimp or not. I'm not gonna mess. You're not gonna test that. You're not gonna go in the bathroom with a leopard to find out. Yeah. That that dog had some negotiating skills, don't you think? It's like right. (laughs) Exactly. That's a great story. Next. 
we're going to head to Pennsylvania, where you're from, and uh, talk about uh, the Pennsylvania State Troopers had to be called to a scene. Um, there was a man who was drunk driving, and he was on a riding lawnmower, <laughs> and he was carrying cases of beer, uh, driving down the road on a lawnmower. And it turns out 25-year-old Milton man had a blood alcohol content that was three times the legal limit, according to court documents. Well, they said, pull over. Pull. No, you pull that lawn. You pull that lawnmower over right now. I will turn this car. Pull that lawnmower. He wouldn't pull lawnmower over. So guess what they had to do? They, they tase him. him. They roped him. <laughs> Even better. Said Pennsylvania State Troopers used a rope to secure a man who was allegedly drunk driving a lawnmower. That's right. Send out the cowboys. Rope that guy. Hey, that ties into mine. Do you have the story of the naked woman in Florida uh, driving the golf cart? I feel like I'm, I've covered multiple naked women. Driving <laughs> All right, the then golf I'll do the next story because it, it ties into yours. I'm just going to read this. A naked woman. On a midnight golf cart joyride was arrested early Saturday when she drove through a police perimeter in Florida. Get this. The officers were involved in an armed standoff with a teenager on a roof when Jessica Smith drove past several patrol cars and up to the house while naked in a golf cart. Uh, oh my gosh, it just popped up right now as you're <laughs> reading it. Uh, it conti- they continued. They ordered her off of the golf cart. Well, she wasn't. She wasn't listening. She didn't want any parts of that. So the, it says they assisted her out and handcuffed her. I bet you they did, too. Uh, oh, her, they got a mugshot everything. Yeah, <laughs> she smelled uh, distinctly of alcohol and was completely nude while she went into this crime scene with people shooting at each other. So there you go. Uh, they arrested her on multiple charges. <laughs> it's like the movie Dances with Wolves when there's the standoff at the beginning of the movie and he gets on the horse and gallops across it to like, she was trying to save the day. Glenn, <laughs> she's trying to draw the suspects out. She should be a hero. Apparently, she was from New York. They're trying to figure out why she was driving naked in Florida. But then, you know, that's drive. what that's what happens in Florida. That's what we do. All right, two more, and I'll I'll give you, you. You don't really need the details because the title says it all. Man caught trying to smuggle 350 pounds of meat over the Texas border. I didn't know you had to smuggle. (laughs) A 20-year-old United States citizen was carrying 320 pounds of pork bologna and 30 pounds of turkey ham in the backseat of a Honda Odyssey. (laughs) Did he steal it? I don't don't know. Oh, he said he intended to resell the meat. And the, oh, so he bought it in Mexico, was trying to smuggle uh, it into the U.S. Yeah, you can't, yeah. can't do that. Probably not a lot of safety precautions in the back seat of the car either. It says, yes. with the recent detection of African swine fever in the Dominican Republic, it's important that no pork products are brought into the U.S. Pork products have the potential to introduce foreign animal diseases that can be... Yeah, we don't need dog. another one of those. We got that going on right now. So, <laughs> glad they caught this guy. Yeah, last one. So, this is another one involving the police. Don't all these somehow Yeah, they the do. Police? Yeah, ultimately. This is, this is a different kind of police... Um, John Edward Barnwell, Matthew Raymond Alcorn, and Brianna Shea Bond, or Brian Shea Bond, they were, oh, no, it's a Brianna. 
bless her. Um, so uh, three people have been arrested and are charged with ordering nearly $225 worth of pizza and wings. And they sent it to the prison. <laughs> <laughs> they ordered it in the name of a county employee and um, Pizza Hut delivered almost $225 worth of pizza and wings uh, to the Justice Center. When the delivery driver arrived at the jail, he was informed that the man was a maintenance person for the jail and had not placed the order. And um, apparently they had to track down who actually ordered the pizzas and they found them and they have all been arrested. That is not like do that to your boss, like send him a pizza, ha ha ha, not to prison. I thought you were going to say Brianna was actually in the prison, was trying to get pizza. I no, no, no. They were okay. just messing with somebody who actually was working for the prison. Uh, um, you know, they ended up. Uh, Pizza Hut did donate all of the pizza to the jail employees, <laughs> but they are still seeking restitution in future. I didn't court know it was illegal to send pizza to people. If I order two hundred and twenty-five dollars worth of pizza at the Ocala Pizza Hut and have it sent to you, what do you think should be done? Do you just need to pay for it, or are you going to come after uh, me? Oh, well, see, I assumed she had paid for it. There's where I went wrong. Oh, no, 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 no. no. Okay. That's, pay upon delivery. That's where I went wrong. Take care of it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It's called theft of, theft of services, charge of conspiracy to commit, commit theft of services, and... Oh, poor Brianna. She was actually taken into custody when she was found at the house of the people that ordered the pizza, and she was arrested on some other stuff she did. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, oh, you're here? Cool. We've been looking for you, You. so you go ahead (laughs) hop in the truck. You know why I didn't get this story? Because it's been so long that we actually lived in a place that we could get anything delivered to the house. Oh, my God. Isn't that amazing? (laughs) Do you get any deliveries out to the house? So I, the door, door, there's DoorDash, which will come here, but it's like a billion dollars. So yeah. I called the actual, it's a Pizza Hut, pizza, uh, not, not Pizza Hut, Pizza Place uh, on campus. And I called them and I said, hey, do you guys deliver? Yes. How much is it? $2. I'm like, dang, I'm getting delivery. <laughs> so I make the orders and I go through all the things and he was like, okay, can I get your address? And I was like, 6,900. He was like, what? You don't go out that far. I was like, dude, I'm like eight minutes from you. He's like, we don't go past 36th and I'm past 60th. I was like, it is two more miles. I'll give you $4. Here, I, you know what I said to him? I go, all right, here's the deal, man. You call me when it's ready. I'll meet you at 36th. I'll drive two miles. I don't want to drive six miles. So you drive four, I'll drive two and I'll still give you the $2. And you know what he said? He goes, ah, I'll just bring it. It's fine. <laughs> I hope you gave goes, him $4. Well, we're not, we're not doing that again. And then I go to tip him and I couldn't find like a $10 bill. So I found $8 in like quarters. And oh, like, God, like, he's never coming I back. I a Ziploc and I was like, dude, this is all I have. I'm sorry. It's $8. I promise. Yeah, it was terrible. I felt like a kid. But you know what? I got my dang pizza and he brought it to my house. And that's so. the last pizza she's eaten. Since. Never again will they ever deliver. He actually told me that. He goes, we won't be doing this again. And I was like, yes, sir. Thank you for coming. You are always that girl. 
<laughs> and on that note, we're going to call it a day. Uh, yeah, I'm not. So I'm tomorrow done. is Mary Kitzmiller and Jennifer will be here doing some training stuff. And then Friday, we do some really bad ads here on the show. So we'll look forward to it then. Uh, and actually, we have a good post show coming up for you. We have a special guest. Abby's going to be joining us, one of our auditors, and talking about her perilous flight last week. All right, everybody. Perilous almost flight. Spade, neuter, geld. Hey, auditors. Uh, hold on here. We're going to get uh, Abby on. Didn't do the... Oh, I forgot it. Aren't you happy? Yes, I hate that poop sound. It's gross. <laughs> Hold on, hold on. If Abby doesn't answer, my dad's on standby. Ready, standby. Visiting. We might talk to him anyway. Just because we've talked so much about how he sounds. (laughs) (laughs) For new auditors, you need the experience. Hey, Dad? Hello. Hello. How are you? How's it going? I'm good. How are you guys? Good. So you're in the post show with us. So, awesome! Yay! This is a party time. Yeah, party time. <laughs> you you know. got to you got to pay to hear you. Okay? That's right. You're That's right. You. <laughs> right. The big bucks. That's right. And you know what? We don't do this very often, so you're a special guest. Oh my gosh! I'm so honored. You know, for anybody that did as dramatic a thing as you, we thought we'd just put you in the post show. <laughs> it's like. I was going to say, it takes a lot of acrobatics to get here, I guess. <laughs> yeah, so walk us through what division were you in, where were you? Yeah, tell us about you your horse, too. Okay, so the horse is a six-year-old chestnut mare. She's super cool. Um, she's only occasionally redheaded, so that's good. Um, I was in the training amateur division, which was massive. There were, I think, 60 of us, so that was wow. uh, yeah, that was exciting. Um, so she started out the week. Um, we traveled from Virginia on Sunday. So we were there for nearly a full week, which was um, crazy. But she's usually pretty laid back. So it actually helped a little bit to like get her somewhat amped up and like a little bit more thoroughbred because she apparently isn't one. Um, so she did fairly well in the dressage. She had one minor like middle finger moment uh, in the canter work. So that kept me from... <laughs> being super competitive but she was on like a 36 i think so middle of the pack that was all fine um she was a superstar cross country that was so cool like jumping through the head of the lake and like everyone was cheering i bought all the pictures all the videos it was so so cool well there's a um, reason you bought all the pictures and videos well yeah there's that too there was one photographer there so there are a couple of photographers in different companies and there was one who was like there was a lot of decorum with the photographer because they had all the viewing stations and they were the only one that didn't put up any of the dramatic pictures. So I think they were trying to be really classy, um, which I appreciate from them. And they made no money. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I bought one of the nice pictures from them, but uh, yeah, (laughs) the, uh, the show jumping was, uh, I had told my trainer right before I went in, like I, I tend to get super nervous for show jumping. I don't know why, like the jumps fall down. It's fine. But, um, I hate show jumping. So, you know, you're going in the Rolex arena and you're jumping in reverse order. And I wasn't like, you know, super far. I was in like the, tw- I think 20th placing. Actually, you know, you're middle of the pack. You're not going in first. There's, 
enough atmosphere. So I told my trainer, I was like, I just don't want to fall off. Like I'll be happy with that. And I really like, <laughs> I rode that line. <laughs> I got real close. Um, so, uh, yeah, I get down there. And the other thing with reverse order of go for the show jumping, where basically they run you based on your placing, they start at the bottom and go all the way up to the top. It's super, um, exciting that way, but you don't have a ride time. So you have to kind of estimate when you go based on how many riders are in front of you. Mm-hmm. Um, and you kind of do a lot of math, which is totally my strong suit. So I got down there and I think they were running early. I probably had about 10 minutes to warm up and they move you from one warm up to another. So the last warm up before you go in, there's only like three horses, which is good because you know how warm ups can get. So I literally jumped two jumps in the first warm up, go to the second warm up. I jump one jump and my trainer almost gets into like a fist fight with another trainer who's trying to claim a jump. And uh, it was funny. It was crazy. <laughs> Um, so that was funny, but that was the, the lead up to this. And I was like, okay, we're going to go in and have a nice relaxing round now. And to my horse's credit, we did 98% of it felt wonderful. Um, she was forward. She was great. She was getting all our distances. She got a little bit deep into the first combination. So she did have an unlucky rail there, but just green rail. She was nothing dramatic until the last fence, which is where, you know, I like to keep suspenseful. You have to like keep the people waiting, you know? Um, so it was, God, a, she's a good storyteller. This is fantastic. It was, I mean, I thought by the time I get to the last fence and I have done this before too, which is the worst part. This is not the first rodeo with this last fence situation, but, um, usually you kind of think by the time you get to the end, you're like, all right, I'm rolling. Like, I feel good. Things are, things are happening. We're going away from the sand. So nothing spooky to look at. Um, and the last line walked and I was worried about this. It walked in a really forward seven strides or a waiting eight strides. And I actually saw people do eight strides in the advanced division, which didn't work out that well, but like they did it. So it was forward. Um, and so knowing my horse, I had gone in with the plan. She has a really, really short stride due to aforementioned laziness. Um, but I had got, most of the lines were on, you know, you could do a going five or a waiting six, that kind of thing. And I had done all the forward strides in the first couple lines. So I said to myself, okay, I'm going to do the forward strides in the first couple lines, done that part of my plan. And I'm going to wait for the eight in the last line because it's even longer. It's really, really long. And did I listen to myself? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, why would I stick to the plan that I had meticulously set out? to do um so i I got greedy i got confident i was like we are going like she's rolling she's like a pocket rocket we're gonna do this so i jumped into the last line did i ride like i was gonna try to make up that distance no i waited like three strides and then i was like all right we have to go forward so then i spent the last what i thought was going to be four strides going forward turned out it was going to be five because my horse got to the distance I wanted to leave from. And she was like, mm, that's no mom. That's not really going to work. I, my legs are stubby and I can't leave from here. So bless her. She threw in a tiny little chip stride. I was fully committed to this gallopy distance. I went flying forward. She somehow cleared this fence, which was. Ooh, no jump points. Yeah. So she cleared the fence. I land on her neck. All I see is her braids. And, like, my left stirrup has come off my saddle. Not that I was, like, firmly in the pack anyway. Like, it came off the saddle because I, my legs were flailing about. But I did not have a left <laughs> So I am, I know I just have to pass the flags. I have my arms around her neck. Like, I am straight airborne. Like, I'm not in the saddle. And my only thought was just get 
through the flags. Like I knew I was. <laughs> it was not. I was not. I was like, I'm. I'm not saving this. But if I, I need to save it for like two strides. Luckily, it wasn't one of those courses where the flags were like 18 strides away. That's what I was going to ask. How far are the flags? The the flags for people, that's the timer. You have to get through the timer to start to end the round and then you can get off. Yeah. So they were probably three strides away. Luckily they were not, it it was, I didn't have to hold on that long because some courses you do land and you have to make a note of where they are um, and like aim for them because they're a little bit further away. So luckily, and I had not done that when I walked. So if you look at the pictures, I am literally searching left and right. Like I am in the air looking where are the flags (laughs) because I know I just have to hold on for that amount of time. The lovely thing about my horse is she loves to stand still. Like we always say her favorite gate is the halt. She loves to stand. If she could stand like still all day and do nothing. And I mean, even like even in that environment of the huge show jump arena. Wow. Oh yeah. If I could have walked around and just stood that like, if there was an award for whose horse is like the most statuesque and doesn't like she would. So luckily by the time, and it wasn't like, I mean, I love her. She's great. She looked out for me, but it wasn't like she felt me falling. It was like, Oh, I'm going to stop and help you. She was like, yes, this is my moment. I get to stand still. <laughs> so I, I am firmly out of the tack. My stirrup is gone. And this lovely little mare, she would cross the flags and she stops immediately because she's like, this is what I trained for. And I have to like monkey climb my way back up on my horse. And get, keep in mind, I've already decided I'm falling off. But because she came to a stop, I was like, hold on, I might be able to climb back. <laughs> and I think our friend Cade put it the best. He said how to uh, dismount and remount in midair, a novella. <laughs> it's it impressive. Fully- Oh my, I don't know. And I, I'm someone that sees people do saves like that online. And I'm like, there's no way. Like if that were me, there was, there is no way. The will of an inventor comes through. I mean, it was like Karen O'Connor esque from the photos, uh, (laughs) you know, of her trying to save it. And, uh, it it was awesome. And I did see this stirrup leather hanging down and it's great. That was your last fence. Cause otherwise you'd been screwed. I would have been. I would have been in a lot of trouble. And I actually didn't notice the stirrup had come off until I went to walk out of the arena and it was like hitting her in the legs. And I was like, Oh my gosh, you, I owe you all the treats because you're called. Sorry. I'm a hot mess. Do Glenn, do you have the yeah. that girl sound effect yet? <laughs> I will look oh, for that. Please. I want to know, did yeah. you make, the, the announcer was wait a minute. Here we go. This is for you. Oh, we got it. Congratulations, Abby. <laughs> you made it. Thank you. You're official I now. I made it. The announcer was, yeah. Did was, you like, make literally, uh, shit adventures unite? That's my question. So I didn't post it because the photos aren't. So one of the photographers was there. JJ, um, Philman, I believe is her name. She was not there in like an official capacity and she doesn't charge for her photos. So I didn't want to post them because they're not technically mine. Um, but I, I probably could share them. I haven't done it yet because I mean, I went viral without shit events. <laughs> <laughs> my husband called me. My husband called me because he's a farrier and he's got clients that were there. And he's like, you're all over Facebook. <laughs> Actually, what he, what he said first was good job staying on. And I was like, how did you, I hadn't even called. I was like, how did you know? And he's like, I know everything. I was like, all right, well, that's <laughs> but that's but yeah, but he saw it on Facebook before I even talked to him. So that's um, great. Yeah, it was exciting. It was a really exciting time. And I have not jumped a fence since then. I told my coach yesterday, I was like, I think I need to get on and just jump something because the last fence I jumped was not uh, not ideal. Otherwise, <laughs> post-traumatic stress is going to set in. It's going to wrap yeah, you up. Yeah, I know. But- 
Abby, that's awesome. What a great story. Thank you for telling it so well. And please give that horse a big smooch on the nose and a carrot and a bucket from us. I will. You know, if this was a Disney movie, though, it would have ended with you winning the class and a million dollars. Oh, right. And saving the yeah. farm. Yeah, and saving the farm, saving right. Saving the farm. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, right. right. Always. <laughs> Bye, Abby. <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs> so uh, that was well told. She's a good, good storyteller. So, you know, we've talked about your dad a lot on this show, especially yeah. with the auditors. And I think some of the auditors are pretty new and have never heard your dad talk. So what do you want me uh, to ask him about? You know what? I've got to go meet a client down at the barn, so I'm just going to hand... Oh, God. What am I doing? I'm going to hand my <laughs> oh, dad good. I the I get to ask him anything? Oh, and this you is going to be fun. You can, you can talk to him. Oh, uh, dad, you're going to talk to Glenn. I my, yeah, I know you know Glenn. Uh, and <laughs> just keep the, keep the headphones on one ear and just get this close to the microphone. And don't embarrass Bye, me. Jamie. <laughs> Oh Lord, y'all! I got. Tell me if I need to listen back to this. Children out there listening. All right. We're gonna wait for Dad to show up here. Just one ear. Oh, just one ear. Oh, why? Well, this is my bad. Well, just so you can hear yourself. Otherwise, you can't hear yourself. Oh. Good morning, Glenn. Hi, Dad. How are you? Absolutely peachy. Just like it's great. It's been a little while since we talked. It, yes, sir, it has been, and I, I, every once in a while I get to listen to the program, and so I feel like, but I know you, but but it, it was good seeing you the last time, several years ago. Yeah, that has been a while. So now, yes, has she left the room? Is she gone now? She is gone now. Okay, so we can talk about anything, like what a pain yes, in the sir. ass she was growing up. Oh, uh, my. <laughs> I, I, could, I could tell you stories, but she'd kill me. So, uh, <laughs> she won't know. She never listens back to the show, so she won't know what stories you tell. I imagine uh, she had her troublemaking years. Jamie did. Well, actually, all of them did. And Because <laughs> and, and she's a twin. I, we got to remind people of that. Yeah. yeah. And, and it, they would. And I, I remember what I was like when I was that age, so I couldn't get, ever get mad at them because I did the same stupid stuff they did. But they, they've all turned out beautiful, and I'm tickled to death. Yeah, isn't it a relief when when they don't go to jail? <laughs> isn't that a relief? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's when you count your blessings. You yeah. know, just but 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 the truth is, it, it's when I had children, I, I never thought about it because I figured they'd go to college and go on and I would never worry about them. But you, you and I both know you just worry about them all every day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it doesn't just, matter. It, you probably still do. She's working with all these crazy horses, you know, that's, that's uh, it. Yeah. And, and I've, I've seen her jump too many times and always scared me. I don't know if she told you, but I wouldn't, I never watched her jump the first five years she was doing. It. Oh, really? Is that right? Oh, no. Yeah. I, I, pay for the horses and help load it and do all that kind of stuff. But I could not watch it because I just knew the world was coming to an end. But no, <laughs> I, I finally got where I could watch you. So, well, that's good. <laughs> do, what? <laughs> well, you, you were getting up there. I know. <laughs> now, oh. another thing, uh, I thought she was supposed to be out of the house. See, she's listening yeah, in because she, she, she doesn't trust you. She really doesn't. No. Tr- she doesn't trust me <laughs> either. So there's that. Um, so now I got to ask you, you know, she was, she was, uh, I don't know. Was she 30 when she got married or was she above 30? I think she was. 
I think she was over 30. I don't remember. Yeah, I uh, think she, uh, right around there. So, because that's when yes. I met her is right after she she got married. Actually, I think so. And she has talked about in this show about how she's had some loser boyfriends along the years. Did you ever think she would marry as well as she did? Actually, no. And she <laughs> she did very well. Chad is just an incredible young man, and my daughter never. I never had a boyfriend she liked personally, but she never asked my opinion. But but when she <laughs> big surprise Chad there, the world, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she, she and Chad are just such a wonderful couple. Yeah, they are, and, and just. I love makes, Chad. Makes my heart. He comes he, on this post show and talks to me. Sometimes we talk about uh, his experiences flying and all that. And I'm going to get to see them both next week. We're going to be in Dallas together. So I, I get to visit right. with them, which is good. I haven't right. seen well, Chad in years. Well, well, let me, let me tell you the one thing they have done better than anything. One thing they have accomplished is they have parented the most beautiful eight year old boy, smartest, kid i think in the whole world <laughs> and he, he's, he's he's beautiful and i'm appreciative to both of them well he's a kind soul too lucas is a yes. kind soul oh yeah he's great he is absolutely great yes and yeah. i know that uh you've been a loving granddad for a long time for since he was born the day he was born. well yeah it, it's it she called me on may 31st which happens to be my birthday, um, eight years ago. And she called me and said, Daddy, I'm in the hospital, and I may have the baby today or tomorrow or the next day. We don't know. And I said, Jamie, please make it on my birthday because I'll never forget his birthday <laughs> if you do that. And, and bless her heart, she called me that night. She said, well, you got it. <laughs> so, it was great. I, it was great. You know, so, <laughs> a lot of people don't know we have something else in common, and that now you're a tiny bit older than me, but uh, we, <laughs> I'm we older have than everybody. <laughs> we have something else in common. Is both. In, are you out of the insurance business now? Did you sell that? No, no. I I, I go to my office. Uh, I I live in Madison, Georgia. Yep. And the office is in Decatur, but. 60 miles and so i go in about every other monday and say hey to everybody and thank them for everything then i go home um mostly karen and i we just travel just you know just and i will call in but i have nothing to do with it and, and but they've been taking good care of me so i appreciate it yeah i, I was in insurance for uh 15 years too so wow. yeah i i yeah. know exactly uh i know exactly what you do and did so Oh uh, yeah, it was it was great, and I enjoyed it. I mean, I've been with State Farm for fifty years now, and it, it's been it's been great fun. But uh, I love not going to the office. So. <laughs> Do they give you a pen or a pen or something when you hit fifty years? <laughs> I don't know. I, <laughs> they, I I'm sure they'll send me a thank you letter. Yeah, so you'll get a you'll get a cheap card. It'll be in the mail. <laughs> They won't have enough postage on it either. That's what'll. <laughs> oh, but they've been so good to me, and, and they've been so good to my family. It's 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 great. But I, you know, actually, State Farm probably wishes I die or retire <laughs> because then they could add all these new young pups in there, and and 
but but I, I'm going to hang in here as long as I can. Now, I loved, one of the things I loved, the perks of uh, selling insurance, and I don't know if State Farm did this, it was the company trips. We did them every year. Oh, and, yeah. Oh, they would put on some of the most fabulous, elaborate company trips to oh, some of the most exotic yeah. places. State Farm do that, too? Uh, yes, yes. And and what's the right now, the great thing is, we're having, we have conventions, national conventions and then local conventions and all this. But next year, next June, if State Farm is having its 100th anniversary convention in Las Vegas. And it's, it's going to be a blowout. All State Farm agents and their spouses and their management folks and their spouses are all going to be there. And they're going to put on a show I, I can't even imagine what they're going to do. You know, I think I think Elvis is coming. It's going to be a big deal. <laughs> Probably so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was always That's fun. I, I have fond memories of uh, uh, some of those trips. Uh, they the, really and, are fun. And then there were a couple of those trips I don't remember at all because I might have drank too much. But um, uh, Well, no, I think, wait a minute. I think so. I understand. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> <laughs> I'm well, grateful for pictures. We have to run here. We've run out of time. Thank you for joining us. Hey, I look forward to seeing you real soon. It and just, uh, you know, just, it would just, I would look forward to it and we'll look forward to it. And I don't think we got in too much trouble. I don't think she can. No, no. no. <laughs> no I, 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 when I get off the phone, I'll tell you some good stories, but, uh, but, it, but I better not. So, All right. I thanks. I want my to keep loving me. All so right. Go, you, go see your grandkid. I will, my friend. Thanks, Glenn. Bye. Okay, buddy.